Welcome to the Top Business Leaders Podcast. You'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more and to download our show notes, go to topbusinessleaders.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome my good friend, Lisa Earl McLeod. How are you today, Lisa? I'm great, Dan. It's so great to be with you. Thank you. Why don't you tell people about you in just a few sentences? So um, to your audience, I am the author of five books, uh, two of which garnered me great fame and one of which garnered me great revenues. So there you go. (laughs) Okay, Uh, great. We want to talk about that. So tell us a little bit about the audience that you serve and why you decide to write your first book. So the audience I serve now is largely uh, sales leaders or chief revenue officers, or CEOs. And I work with mid and large companies on a concept I created called Selling with Noble Purpose. And it's about how to, you know, a lot of people over the years have been coached, focus on the customer when you sell, focus on the customer when you sell. But as a former sales trainer, one of the things I saw is most of that coaching goes out the window when there's a deal on the table. So the work that I do is around aligning people, a whole company, around what I call their noble purpose, which is how do you make a difference to customers? And then instead of using revenue targets as your mental framework, you use customer impact. And so we've had a number of clients grow revenues exponentially, create competitive differentiation. We work with companies like Hootsuite. We have an ongoing relationship with Salesforce that we just started. We've worked with a number of uh, banks, some people, Roche in the pharmaceutical industry. But it's all about identifying how you make a difference to customers and making that the centerpiece of your organization, especially your sales organization. But ironically enough, that was not my first book. Okay. Well, why did you write your first book and how did it help you? So the first book I wrote was a book called Forget Perfect. And I'll tell you why I wrote it is at the time I was working as a sales trainer and I was doing a lot of other people's programs. I did a lot of programs for Neil Rackham's team. And I would run these two or three day sales training programs and I would go out to dinner with the folks. And if you can already tell from this interview, I like to talk, but after running a sales program all day, I was done talking. So I would go out to dinner and what I know with the participants and what I would notice was particularly the women would talk about how they weren't measuring up. And these were women that by every measure, they were accomplished professionally. Many of them had really robust personal lives in a variety of ways. A lot of them were parents. But I always got this same story. I'm not doing enough at work. I'm not doing enough for my kids. And it was really depressing. And I related to it. And that was more depressing because I thought, looking at me, you'd think I have it all. And so I thought, well, what is the problem here? Surely there's a book for that. So I, you know, trot myself down to the bookstore for younger listeners. They were these places, brick and mortar places that you went and you perused the shelves. And there weren't any books on that. In fact, there were books on the opposite, how to be better, how to do more. And so I thought, well, someone should write a book on that. I'd never written anything. I'd never even written an article. And so I decide I'm going to write a book. And the book was ultimately called Forget Perfect. I got a mainstream publisher, Penguin published the book, and I ended up getting on the Today Show. 
So I've skipped a lot of steps in there, but that actually did happen from, I think I should write a book to being on the Today Show and saying, Lisa McLeod, author of Forget Perfect. That happened. Fantastic. Now, I know that you've written a couple of books in a series, the mm-hmm. Noble Purpose series. Tell us yeah. how you came up with that idea and uh, also how the books are actually helping you in your business. How did it transform you from being just another sales trainer to being someone top of mind? Well, I think the first thing is that I would tell a listener is when I look back on that very first book that I wrote in 2001, what I realized is there was something burning in my heart. And what was burning in my heart was. I don't want to be transactional about my own life. I want my own life to mean something. And this sort of quest for perfection, not just keeping up with the Joneses, but like trying to be the best at everything, really eroded the meaning and purpose. And so that book was really, upon reflection now, you know, you see these things more clearly clearly about making a difference to others and finding your purpose in that. So flash forward 15 years and I've written this series, Selling with Noble Purpose and Leading with Noble Purpose. And actually how the books ended up being titled that was due to someone that you've had on your show, which is Mark Levy, uh, who helps people come up with their big sexy idea. And I was writing, working on a book on purpose and sales because I knew that focusing on the impact you had on customers would be transformational. I knew that you'd drive more revenue, you'd close bigger deals, and you'd also experience more joy and happiness in your job. But I had this meeting one day with a potential client, and I hadn't come up with a book title yet. We were like selling with purpose, purpose purpose-driven selling. What are we going to call it? And I had a meeting with a senior executive from a major healthcare company. It was a woman, and she was had a problem with her sales team, and she was asking me, what, you know, how can we solve this problem? We need to change the comp plan. We need this. And as I was talking to her, I realized she has a transactional sales team. And the reason that she does is because that's how she's treated them. She has treated her sales team like they're just these cogs that you just throw money at and they'll, you know, become a dancing bear or whatever. And so I got really frustrated and annoyed and I kind of blew the meeting and I didn't have quite the language. And I came out of the meeting and I had this meet meeting with Mark Levy. And I said, I was so pissed. And I said, you know, she just needs to realize sales is a noble profession. And I was like on my high horse ranting and Mark goes, I think we got it. so, So after we came up with that idea, selling with noble purpose, everything went from there. I knew here's how you do your sales meetings. Here's how you do your product launches. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. And I went through and I created the whole book. And then later I wrote Leading with Noble Purpose. And so what those did was they established me as a leader in the purpose space. And I will tell you that 95% of the business that we get comes because someone has read the book or someone has read an article. We own the space. There aren't many people talking about purpose in sales, even though since I wrote the book, a lot more people are talking about purpose. They're not talking about it in sales. And so 95% of what we get are people calling for me to keynote on this topic or help them from a consulting basis on this topic. And I think, you know, you taught me this a long time ago, Dan, when you and I were working together on PR for some of my earlier books is around that singularity, ice cutter clarity of message. And so I didn't try and be everything to all people. Well, I've done that before, but I don't do it anymore. 
And what these books did were the people that show up for us now want what we have. And that is a game changer. Well, that's a fantastic story about coming up with the title. I, I work with my clients as well, coming up with titles. And sometimes they bury their stories in the middle of chapter three, and it takes yeah. someone else to see what they have. I mean, Mark didn't come up with noble purpose. He just made you realize that that was right. what your passion was. Right. The 20 other say. things that I was ranting about, he like, <laughs> that's what a good editor, that's what a good coach does. You know, yeah. you, you spew out all this great content and it takes someone else outside to say, yeah, these are the great points. Let's, let's well, go here. You did that for me with some of the PR pitches that you helped me with on books I've written on Forget Perfect. I wrote a book called The Triangle of Truth. And you really helped me because my head was just all wrapped around all the content. But what you really helped me do was see what's the thing that a producer first, then a then a listener or reader is going to go, oh, that sounds like my problem or, oh, that sounds like my goal. Because you get so wrapped up in your whole book, you can't see it. I'm just taking a note here. Mm -hmm. While you're Thanks noting, pause. Yeah. Uh, okay, you don't talk as much as you think you do. Okay, uh, okay, let's go from book one to book two. You started with selling with noble purpose. You mm -hmm. that became a great brand. Why did you decide to turn it into a whole empire? Empire. We'll go with that. I love that. <laughs> you know what? Say it so you can become it. So the reason I felt the need, and there are going to be more books and tools in this series, likely. The reason that I wrote Leading with Noble Purpose, Selling with Noble Purpose got a lot of traction. And I mentioned in the intro, our clients tend to be chief revenue officers or CEOs. And so what happened was we got hired by a couple of companies to help transform the sales experience. And it was really successful. But what I realized was if we don't address purpose in the rest of the company, it falls short. And it was actually a writer at Forbes. One of the early reviews I got on Selling with Noble Purpose, this guy named Steve Dinning. I didn't know him. I don't know how he got the book. He wrote this review on Forbes and oh my gosh, it just made my heart sing. He loved it. And I'm so excited because I was like, I've never even met this person. And they liked my work. Woo! This is like real fame. And so at the very end of the review though, he said, if I have one quibble with this book and it's small, but it's real. He said, if you only do this in a sales organization, it will feel like this oasis in a parched desert of transactional affairs. And I went, damn it, he's right. So I had that in my head. And so what we did was we wrote Leading with Noble Purpose. So that became the template for scaling it. Having said that, most of our most successful engagements actually start with the sales team because once the sales team starts humming and gets all cylinders rolling and they start saying focusing on this aspirational purpose they change the way they interact with clients they get a bunch of big wins they drive revenue the rest of the company kind of wants to know well, what are they doing and then it becomes a lot easier very cool how do you use the book to actually get more speaking engagements or more consulting engagements what do you do proactively so a couple things that we do proactively, we're pretty proactive on social media and that's just pushing out content. And once you get past the book and doing little excerpts of your book, 
you want to engage in a conversation with people about your topic. So it doesn't necessarily have to be something from your book. So we're very active on LinkedIn Learning. We do webinar. We do all kinds of things. The other thing that we do is our language, Noble Purpose, which we very wisely trademarked. That language is sticky. Once people hear it, they find themselves saying it. And so what's happened is now, and this is the where you know you have a good brand that's working for you. What's happened now is we'll hear CEOs or key business leaders use the words noble purpose. And when I say we've trademarked it, we've trademarked it for consulting videos, newsletters, workshops. So we will, when someone uses that language, our, um, our Google alerts catch it and we will send them a book and we get a pretty good return on that of people calling us and saying, wow, I love this book. Could you come speak at my conference? And so whoever's listening to this, you don't necessarily have to have the catchphrase, you know, like don't wait for the perfect phrase. That's the other thing. The phrase didn't come till halfway through writing the book. But if you've got a subject matter that you, that you're an expert in, use your Google alerts and send people your book when they speak about that, because those are your people. And I used to think that my book was about showing people a new way to be, and I need to convert them. Couldn't have been more wrong. My book is about taking what people already believe and showing them how to do it. So I don't, the people that think purpose is fluffy, that think this is all just some mumbo jumbo, all we're here to do is create a transaction. Those aren't my people. The people who say, I wish we had a way to differentiate ourselves. I feel like there's something there and I'm not quite sure how to articulate it. Like those people, those are our people. They're already thinking this way, but we're the experts in how to do it. Very cool. Um, so I love the way that you just say that not everyone is in your marketplace because a lot of my clients come to me and I'll say, who is your book for? And they'll say, everyone. <laughs> Biggest mistake, biggest mistake people can make. What other mistakes did you make when you were writing your book that you wish you knew and learned from? Oh, lots. So I'll just give you a laundry list right now. So um, mistake on the first book was I didn't spend enough time and money on my own promoting it. Huge mistake, huge mistake. Um, the other was I was too attached to the content of the book and didn't, that prevented me from seeing creative opportunities to spin it. And that's one of the reasons why a publicist, somebody like you that coach you on PR can really help because you can see the different angles. It's really hard to see for yourself. Um, another mistake that I made was looking at people as competition. They're not. Look at the people who are really successful in your space and those are the people who should be your peers and you should be supporting each other, not competing with each other. Because the more elevated your space gets and the more important your space gets, the better it is for all of you. So you need to do an Oprah and Gail on this. And if somebody else is Oprah, you be Gail. Because it worked out really well for Gail. Okay. Can, you, can you give me an example of how that helped, how that worked for you? Um, so, um, yeah, I can give you a great example. So I, Dan, I've always been a fan of Dan Pink's. Dan Pink's work is fabulous. 
and I write a newspaper column. It's now mostly run online. Back in the day, it ran like 20 papers, but most of them went out of business. So anyhow, that's a separate story. But I've always been a fan of Dan Pink's. And my first reaction when he wrote Drive and all these other things, I've covered his work. Like, we're not besties, but I've interviewed him several times and really enjoyed his work. Well, he wrote a book called To Sell as Human. And my first thought was, oh, and if Dan, if you're listening to this, now you know. Uh, my first thought was, oh, Dan Pink's, you know, more famous than me. And now he's written this book. Oh, Dan, I, you know, what am I going to do? And then I thought, no, check yourself. If Dan Pink is bringing forth with his audience the idea that selling is more human and that it, that it can have purpose to it, that's a good thing. You need to call him, interview him, and lift up this book for everybody because that's a good thing. And it was a, that's a reframe for me. I was already sort of thinking that, but that's an example. My first instinct is not always that way. Now I've kind of trained my brain, so that is my first instinct more often than not. But that's an example of me reaching out to him. He, he has um, a bigger brand than I do. Reaching out to him, supporting what he has, lifting it up, gets more people talking about this thing that we both care about. And I, and I need to make sure I'm really clear. It has to be authentic. Dan wrote a great book. He is a generous spirit and he is an excellent thought leader. So I want more people to know about his work. Did he return the favor? Did he write about you or? He did. He did. Okay. He did. And it can't, it can't be a tit for tat. Thing. No, 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 no. But yeah, he gave me a really nice blurb for my book. And so, um, because he is a generous, nice person and the book fit with his sensibility. And so that's the thing that you've really got to get your mind around is that that you want more attention drawn to your topic. And I, and I want to unravel this a little bit because I do write about books a lot and, and I do like to cover other people's work. I get a lot of books coming across my desk and eBooks and all kinds of stuff. And I can tell the difference between the ones. There's three categories. There's the category where someone said, I should be a thought leader, so I should write a book. And the book is basically all about me, the thought leader. It may be cloaked in client stories, but you can tell the intent was not for the reader. Um, the second category of books is where someone had good intent for the reader, but they didn't take the time to put together a really organized book. And then the third kind of book is the kind of book where someone like a Dan or a Brene Brown or someone has good intent for the reader and they organize a really exceptional book. And so that's the thing is you've got to write for the reader. Uh, you have to make your book be valuable in the moment for the person who's reading it, not just this cloaked brochure. And when people call me, I can help them with this. And when people call me, I can help them with this. You need to be helping that reader. Marshall Goldsmith's book, I get huge value from. I never need to call Marshall. Having said that, I. CEO of a big company calls Marshall. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's really important. Like, am I writing this for the reader? Because you can go back afterwards and put in some plugs about how to find you and where some links are and all. But if your intent is look at me, look at me, aren't I smart? You won't have a great book. That's great advice. Um, I tell my clients, you know, they, they come up to me and they say, well, 
why would people want another book on this topic? There are already so many books. And I tell them that their own spin makes it unique, but even more so. People don't just buy one sales book or one diet book or one book about coaching. They buy a whole library full and learn from all of us. So if they can say, what other books can you recommend? Yeah, as, as she points to a whole library, full a whole of library books. full of books about the things. So, so an example that I often use for people is gratitude. So that's a practice that I'm really trying to work on. And because it is a challenging practice for most people, I am going to read a couple of books on the subject and I'm going to listen to a couple of podcasts and I might even go to a workshop. So, but I can tell the difference between somebody who writes a gratitude book. It says, my clients experience this, my clients experience that versus someone that says, where are you now with gratitude? Here's some tips for you. Here's what could happen to you. And so when I feel my own heart and mind shifting, and we could take any topic, strategy, sales, publicity, when I feel myself start to change, that's when I lock into you. Not when you're telling me how great you are. And that's when I start recommending your book. Can you give me an example uh, of a time when you've read a book that suddenly you, something that clicked for you? Mm -hmm. Uh, The Heath Brothers. So Mm -hmm. Dan Pink's books do that. Marshall Goldsmith's books do that. The Heath Brothers Moments book, several of their books did that for me. Moments was the one that I am using with my clients a lot. And let me look at um, the bookshelf here. Um, Marshall's book, How Women Rise, that is a book. And he wrote it with uh, Sally Helgeson. That is a book, The 12 Habits That Hold Women Back. I proudly say I had nine of them. (laughs) Um, So those are examples. But that book was written for me, for me, the reader. And, And that's the key thing that you really have to differentiate. And none of the books that you see behind you here were those, um, hey, I'm a thought leader. Hey, I'm a thought leader. Aren't I cool? I'm a thought leader. I'm a thought leader. And the reason none of those are behind you is because I get those and they don't make the shelf. Right. Very cool. Um, Lisa, how can people get in touch with you? Google Noble Purpose and there I am. <laughs> and it's much easier than trying to spell my name, M-C-L-E-O-D. Just Google Noble Purpose and I will pop to the top. And uh, which is part of what you need to do as an author is have something, a phrase you can own and then SEO the hell out of it. Um, But um, I have a big advantage in that way. Um, My uh, business partner um, has an undergraduate degree in advertising and a master's degree in industrial psychology. Uh, She also happens to be my daughter and Mm -hmm. she's awesome. So I had a, a little bit of a advanced on that in terms of getting my, getting my voice out there. <laughs> well, I was going to end the interview on, on that, on that note, but you bring up one last question is like, how do you protect your brand? I mean, noble purpose, you own it. I'm sure other people will try to encroach on it. How do you protect it? Ruthlessly. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have a son-in-law who's a lawyer, do you? Yeah, no, I'm working on that. The same way you protect your children, (laughs) with a generous heart and ruthless actions. So when I see a CEO or something using noble purpose language, I send her or him a note and say, I was delighted to see you talking about noble purpose. Here's my book. If I can ever be of help to you, give me a call. 
So I want them using those words. If I see, which I did once, another um, sales coach saying, I'm going to help you learn to sell with noble purpose. We, we very, we are very polite the first time because words make it into the public vernacular. You know, I used to work for Procter and Gamble and we tried to make puffs the word. It wasn't Kleenex was the word we lost. Okay. So, so I understand how words make it into the public vernacular. So if you see someone giving seminars or talking using your language, the first thing you want them to do, you want to do is reach out to them and say, I was delighted to see you using my language. Um, did I just want to make sure that you provide proper attribution. Very classy. A million mm -hmm. years ago, I was the business editor of the Daily Newspaper, and I ran a story. It was an Associated Press story. Then it had the word Xerox in it, and it used it as a verb, as in, I Xerox this and made copies and right. sent it to everyone. The very next day, I got a registered letter from Xerox Corporation, from their attorney, letting me know that Xerox was a registered trademark of the Xerox Corporation, <laughs> which should not be confused with the term photocopying Copy. or 16 other words right. of photocopying. And please don't do this again in the future. Now, I was the editor of one business, one, one newspaper. That was an Associated Press article. It was probably printed in 1,600 other daily newspapers. Right. They and they probably spent 1,600 registered letters to protect their term. So uh, I respect well, I don't have that kind of, <laughs> I don't have that kind of bandwidth. But what I do is I reach out to people and say, I was delighted to see you using our language. I just want to make sure you provide proper attribution. If you'd like to talk about this again, I'm happy to even provide you with some slides. Because I want people talking about selling with noble purpose and I want them crediting me. You know, I just sat here and talked to you about Dan Pink's research. I could talk to you about Robbie Baxter, who's another person you should have on your show. And I could talk to you about the membership economy. And I'm going to say that phrase was coined by Robbie Baxter, who wrote the book, The Membership Economy. And here's what she says. That gets the information that my audience needs if it's relevant out. And that properly attributes Robbie Baxter, who's the thought leader that came up with that. So I don't want to make people unable to talk about my content. I want them to. What I don't want, and we've only had this happen once, is someone else acting like they are training on this or something. Because we did the nice thing and said, would you like to use some of our slides? Here you go. Provide proper attribution. And what we got back was you can't honestly tell me that you've trademarked selling with noble purpose is such a common phrase. And I said, well, the reason it's a common phrase is because I trademarked it six years ago. So <laughs> you can either use our slides and attribute us or stop talking about it. What did they do? Stop talking about it. <laughs> Interesting. So they didn't want to play nice and give you attribution. Ooh, bad people. You know, bad people. Every, everybody's different. Mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody is different. And, um, one of the things someone said to me was, I hope I get this right, that um, ideas are kind of like orphans out in the wind. They don't know who their parents are. They just know they need to move forward. <laughs> That's a great way to end our conversation. Thank you, Lisa Earl McLeod, for sharing such wonderful ideas with us. And thank you, everyone, on who is listening to this call. 
Thanks for listening to Top Business Leaders, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.